The following audio is from Solid Rock Community Church. More information about Solid Rock Community Church is available at www.solidrockcommunitychurch.com. Well, again, thank you so much for being here at Solid Rock. We're going to do something uh, a little bit different today. Uh, As many of you know, we've been studying through the Gospel of Mark uh, for several months. Actually, we started way back in September of last year. But today, and just for the next few weeks, I want us to talk about the future. And specifically, uh, here's what I mean by that. In my small group, and if you're not in a small group, I know you hear me say this all the time. If you're not in a small group, you're missing out on a dimension of your life where you need the input and, and just being able to do life with other people. But again, in my small group that Kathy and I have been a part of now for several years, on two separate occasions, we as a group went through the book uh, of by one of my favorite authors, Dr. Henry Cloud, called Nine Things You Must Simply Do to Succeed in Love and Life. And in this book, Dr. Cloud, who is a Christian, talks about nine principles of life that are so profound and yet so simple. And uh, he says that if you will apply these, and he's got all this research data that, and these are biblically based, but he says if you will apply these, it can literally change the trajectory of your life for the better. And one of the principles that he talks about in his book, and one that I think impacted me the most out of all nine principles, uh, is a principle called play the movie. And here's how he defines this. Now, I want to put this on the screen for you. Any one thing you do, and some of you, this is really going to land where you are today because you're here for a purpose this morning. Check this out. Any one thing you do is only a scene in a larger movie. To understand that action, you have to play it out all the way to the end of the movie. In other words, after viewing the entire film, you can decide whether you really want a particular scene in the movie of your life. If it alters the plot of your story or takes you to other scenes that you don't want to live out or even causes the movie itself to have a different ending than maybe you had plotted, then you don't want it. No matter how enticing it is, no matter how inviting it may be, the scene may be, you don't want it. And then on the flip side, of course, if if it alters the plot of your story in the direction you do want to go, if it creates later scenes that you would actually want to live out, then you might indeed want to add that scene in your life. No matter how hard the scene itself may be, you may want to choose it. And then he gives us illustrations. It's a true story, and I want to tell you this story to set up for what I want to talk to you about this morning. In the book, he describes how he was teaching a seminar, uh, which he does frequently all across the country. Uh, Again, he's one of my favorite speakers, one of my favorite authors. And he was teaching on how to reach your goals and how to reach your dreams. And a lady walked up to him and asked him, hey, would it be okay if we just chatted for just a moment? And he was like, well, sure, absolutely. So they both sat down and she began to tell him her story, how that ever since she was a little girl, she had dreamed of being, you know, one day becoming a lawyer. And she described how that she grew up watching shows about lawyers, uh, books that she read uh, on becoming a lawyer. Uh, she described how she would even 
show up at the courthouse to watch trials being conducted. And she said, I would absolutely love to practice law. I mean, it would just be the ideal profession for me. So Dr. Cloud asked her, he said, well, well what do you do now? And she said, well, I'm, I'm in the loan industry business. We said, well, how do you like that? And she said, I hate it. I actually hate it. Every single day, I, I wake up wishing I were practicing law. And so Dr. Cloud asked her, he said, well, why don't you do it? Why isn't that something you, why haven't you done that? And here's what she said. She said, because it would take too long to get there. And he's like, well, you know, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I would have to go to law school. And it would just take too long. So he asked her, he said, well, how long would it take? And she said, probably about three years. And so he said, okay, so you hate what you're doing right now. And she said, yes. I mean, I love the people. I love working with the people. I'm grateful for having a job. But it's not how I want to spend my life. And besides, it would take too long to get my law degree. She kept, kept saying that. And she said, I just feel stuck. And so as he's listening to her, and he describes this in the book, he's thinking to himself, she doesn't know how to play the movie. So he decided to play it for her. So he said, well, let me give you something to think about. And then he asked her a question. He said, do you plan, kind of a strange question, do you plan to be alive three years from now? <laughs> She's like, well, I, you know, I certainly hope so. He said, okay, then just think about this. That date is coming, period. That date is coming. It's not an option. Three years from now will come, and you're going to be alive. It's going to come to pass, and you'll be here, right? He, he asked her, right? She's like, yeah. She said, okay, so let me ask you a question. Since that day is going to come, <clears throat> three years from now, on that day, and I'm just, I want to tell you this story to set, you, to set this up for what I want to talk about. On that day, do you want to have a law degree enabling you to do what you want to do? Or do you want to still be hating your life? And before she could respond, he said to her, he said, you said the reason that you've not chosen to go to law school is that it would take too long. That was your response, as if the passing of three years were optional. And he said, three years are going to pass. That day, three years from now, will be here. It's not an option. The question is, what do you want your life to look like on that day? And she's like, well, I never really thought about it that way before. And suddenly it just dawned on her, it's not about three years, you know, seeming like a long time, it, it's about where will I be in three years if I don't do this? And it's like a light bulb went on in her mind, and she started catching on to the script of the movie. In other words, she could see that her choosing to avoid going to school wasn't just an isolated decision. It was only one scene, but the movie of her life was going to continue to play regardless. And that scene would dictate the way it turned out. The movie was not optional, but where its plotline goes is. Now, in other words, she could choose to be in a very different movie, one that she would like, 
Or she could choose to be in one that she did not like at all. It was her choice. And then Dr. Cloud made a statement to her. He said, the thing to remember about the sequential nature of life is that the passing of time is not a choice. And she's like, yeah, but three years would take too long. To which he replied, well, too long is coming. Period. You don't have a say in that. It's coming, but you do have a say in what your life will look like when too long gets here. So I want to read that definition one more time to you in light of that story, in context of that story, and then I want to share with you what I want to talk to you about. Any one thing you do, any one thing you do is only a scene in a larger movie to understand that action, you have to play it out all the way to the end of the movie. Now, let me take this in just a little bit different direction, and let me ask you this. What if, what if you could predict your own future? How, how amazing would that be? And the good news is, the good news is, most of you have gotten really close before to predicting your own future. You haven't. Here's, here's how I know that. Because at some point in your life, you have thought this, you have uttered this, you know, this statement under your breath, or perhaps maybe you forgot where you were or what you were doing, but you, and maybe you even said it out loud in front of someone. But here's the statement that lets you know that you've actually gotten closer than you think to predicting your own future. You, you've said this, you've thought this, you've muttered this, and here's the statement. I should have seen this coming. I should have seen this coming. I should have seen that coming. I should have been able to predict my own future. And see, all of us here this morning, every single one of us sitting here in this auditorium this morning, all of us have had those seasons where we find, you know, ourselves in a mess. And when the mess finally, you know, kind of hits us in the face and when the mess is kind of, you know, like all over the room, when the mess is kind of uh, up on us, and we're, we're faced with it, we, we think to ourselves, we think back, we begin mentally to connect all the dots. And we come to the conclusion as we evaluate that, you know, I, I don't know why I'm surprised. I should have seen this coming. Now, here's something that you have said out loud, uh, not about yourself, but about someone else. And this, this is how we know that we can Actually, even if we don't want to predict our own future, we know how to predict other people's future, right? You, you've said this, you should have seen that coming, right? You should have seen that coming. I mean, you, you've said this to friends, maybe a roommate, hopefully not your spouse, because you hope somebody else, you know, might say that, because it's not a good night in your marriage when you say this, but... <clears throat> Right. So but but you have friends around you that are making decisions and it's like it's like watching a train wreck in slow motion. You're, you're watching people, you know, come down two sidewalks into a corner and they're about to collide and you can see what's about to happen. And you've tried to talk to them. You've tried to say something. Or somebody else has tried to say something to them. And then finally, you know, what everybody knew was inevitable, finally happens. And they're so shocked. Like, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe he broke up with me. 
And you're like, really? Are you kidding me? Every, everybody knows he's been breaking up with you for months. But you. Everybody knows it. I don't know how I got in so much debt. And it's like, really? You're kidding, right? I mean, everybody knows you know that about you. I mean, this is not a mystery to anyone but you. And you were able to predict their future. But here's the question, and here's the mystery, and here's what we're going to talk about. Why is it that you can see what they can't see, and why is it that they can see what you can't see? And then there's this, because this is, sort of the, um, this is sort of the crazy part of all of this. Sometimes, sometimes we do see it coming, but we just choose to look in a different direction. I mean, we kind of, in our, the depths of our heart, kind of have that, you know, that uneasiness, and we kind of know where this is headed, right? I mean, isn't that true? We kind of know where this is headed professionally. We kind of know where this is headed physically. We kind of know where this is headed, you know, financially. We kind of know where this is headed spiritually. We kind of know where this is headed morally, you know, whatever it might be. I mean, we, we kind of know, and every once in a while, uh, you know, somebody drops a hint or two, or every once in a while, circumstances drop a hint or two. And instead of facing it and going, oh my gosh, look, look where my life's headed. Instead, we just sort of look the other way, and we refuse to look. And then when we finally arrive at the destination, we act shocked, and we act surprised. But the truth is, you kind of you saw this coming. You kind, of, you kind of knew. You have the ability, I have the ability in more cases and in more instances, in more uh, arenas of life than we want to admit we can, in fact, we can, in fact, predict our own future. Now, I want to give you some bad news, and then I want to give you a little bit of good news. And this might explain why you're experiencing what you're experiencing in your life right now. And this will also discourage you, but let me just very gently give you the bad news. Most of your personal problems, most personal problems cannot be fixed. Yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't think I would get a man. That's awesome, Pastor. Thank you so much for saying that. I just, just appreciate that. I didn't think I would get that. But anyway, most personal problems cannot be fixed. And here's why. This, this is so important. Here, here's why. You fix a car. You fix a computer. You get the oven fixed. You get the lawnmower fixed. You get all kinds of things fixed. And then, you know, when you're done, you know, getting the car fixed or when you're done getting uh, the computer fixed, they're as good as new. It's like, it's like they're, they're almost brand new. It's almost like it didn't even happen. I mean, they're just as good as new. Now, I don't need to tell you this, but I'm going to say it anyway in light of where we're going. You're, you're not like a car. And you're not like a computer. Okay, a computer has memory. But you have memories. You're more complex than that. We are more complex than that. Complex than that. God made us. God created us more complex than something that can simply be plugged in and unplugged. Now, in, in terms of personal problems, 
We can cope with them. We can overcome them. We can leverage them, you know, to teach our children later or teach our grandchildren. I mean, we can always serve as a bad example, right? Okay. I mean, we can just, you know, we can decide not to repeat, but, but our past is our past. It follows us around and it's part of our story for the rest of our lives. It just is. So that's the bad news that you can't really fix a problem the way you fix a car or the way you fix a computer. It's not like it's fixed and it's good as new and you're never going to be you know, impacted or it's never going to affect you again. We're, we're more complex than that. And that's good. That, that, that's a good thing. But here's the good news. The good news is most personal problems can be avoided. And what I'm talking about today is avoiding what can be avoided so that there's less to cope with Later, it's about avoiding, please listen to me, it's about avoiding the things that can be avoided. That's why playing the movie is so important. And Dr. Cloud, as he interviewed all these people, whether he was in a counseling session, business leaders, people that he would just meet all throughout, he, he kept see, he called them deja vu people because he would talk with them and it didn't matter background, color, race, ethnicity, it didn't matter any of that. But these people seem to have these, these same characteristics that they were succeeding in love in life. And he, he, he noticed that this is why it's so important to play the movie. And in uh, Dr. Cloud's book, as I mentioned, he, he talks about nine principles that we can apply to our lives. So I just want to pause here for just a moment, hit the pause button, and I want to talk about that word principle because that's very important for us to understand that in terms of where we're going and as intuitive as a lot of this may be again sometimes we just need to to hear it again and we need to hear it said in a way that possibly it's never been heard or uh, said before so that we can acknowledge so that we can be honest about what's really going on in our lives and not continue to pretend. So I want to talk about this word principle for just a minute. A principle is not a rule that you follow. Actually, a principle follows you. In fact, a principle follows you around everywhere you go. Even when you're not aware of them, a principle We'll, we'll, we'll be there. A principle is not something that you choose to apply. In fact, the, the difficult thing uh, about a principle is that a principle applies itself to you even when you're not aware of it. And principles are very, 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 very sticky. They will stick to you whether you know it or not uh, or, or whether you know what's going on. And a principle, and this is kind of where we're going to go this morning with this, a principle is not a law or a rule that you break. But if you ignore certain principles, principles will break you. In fact, let me illustrate it this way. You might remember this from high school. Most of us don't. Uh, maybe in college, uh, but some of you may be familiar with the name Archimedes. Sometimes it's referred Archimedes principle. Archimedes principles applies to you every time you get into a pool, every time you get on a float, every time you get on a boat, every time you get on a cruise ship, every time you know you throw something into the water and it sinks. Every single time that you deal with water in any way, you know, any way, shape, or form, Archimedes principle applies itself to you. To which you might say, "Whoa, wait a minute! 
wait a minute, that's not even fair. I don't even know who Archimedes is. That's not fair. I don't know anything about Archimedes' principle. And it's unfair that Archimedes' principle would impact me and influence me if I don't know who he is and I don't know anything about the principle. That's not fair. Well, that's the nature of a principle. They're invisible. And they, impl- they, apply, they apply themselves to us whether we, whether we choose to apply them or not. They're constantly working in the background of our lives. And, and as you may remember, Archimedes, and some of you have already figured this out, he's the, he's the guy who gave us the principle of buoyancy. In the third century, think about this, in the third century B.C., Archimedes explained to the world what had been going on in the world since the beginning of the world. It's just that no one had ever explained it before. And in mathematical terms, he explained why it is that pebbles will sink and cruise ships will float. Because principles are experienced and principles are explained, but principles can never and cannot be invented. They're discovered. You can talk about, you can discuss, but you don't invent them. You recognize them, and then after you recognize them, you get to make a decision. You can leverage a principle to your benefit, or you can ignore a principle to your demise. Now, all over this country, this week, and all over this world, probably this week, people will go to see a pastor, or they'll go to see a counselor, or maybe they'll go to see a psychiatrist, a Christian psychiatrist, um, and, or, and, and they will go to see a pastor, or a counselor, or a psychiatrist, and they will go in there with their problems, and they're going to want that counselor, and that pastor, or possibly that psychiatrist, you know, to, to, to fix whatever their problem is. They'll sit there and they'll say, you know what, here's what's going on in my marriage, tell me what to do about it. Here's what's going on with my kids, tell me what to do about it. Here's what's going on in my life financially, tell me what to do about it. Here's what's going on uh, at work, tell me what to do about it. Here's what's going on morally in my life. Here's what's going on in terms of addiction or chemical addiction, whatever the addiction may be. Here's what's going on. I need a solution. I want to be fixed. But the truth is, every wise pastor and every wise counselor knows this, even, even though we don't want to hear it, is that there is no fix because there are problems that cannot be fixed. We don't need to be fixed. We need a direction to be changed. We need to change directions. And most people who who go to someone for advice or go to someone for counseling and perhaps maybe someone even recently as this week has come to you because they needed some advice and they're looking for a fix. And it's like, man, what do I do? What do I say? What do I, what do I do? What do I say? And even though you didn't have this terminology intuitively, you know there's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do. There's no fix for this. You were not made that way. You just need to move and to live in a different direction. These are just people who are living in the wrong direction. Now, if, if I could just be personal for a minute, perhaps you may be living in the wrong direction. And the thing about living in the wrong direction is this. And this is what I want you to hear this morning. I don't know who this is for, but you need to hear this. 
You can be living in the wrong direction and be happier than you've ever been before. You should think about that. You can be living in the wrong direction, moving in a direction that will take you where you don't want to be and have no idea. And isn't it true? Isn't it true that when you're driving and you get lost, isn't this true, especially for guys, you're not sure exactly the moment you became lost, right? Right? You discover your loss long after you're lost and gotten lost. I mean, if it didn't work that way, I mean, it would work this way. You know, you'd get 30 yards, you know, past the line of not being lost, and you'd realize, oh, oh, I'm lost. And so you'd just back up, you know, 30 yards. You know, unlost, lost, unlost, lost. You know, wouldn't that be great? I mean, guys, we just keep driving, you know. Just, you know, you know. Sorry, guys, but that's just what we do. I'm sorry. I don't need to ask for direction. I'm just going. But, but wouldn't it be great if it worked that way? But by the time, listen to me, by the time you're lost, it's too late. You're lost. And so, so it's possible that you're lost and you're, you're, that you're moving and living in the wrong direction and you don't know it because the movie's still playing. Because the consequences of your decision haven't settled in yet. And then when you discover it, you're going to want to fix you're going to want a solution. And the wise people around you are going to say, you don't need a fix. You don't need a solution. You just need to change direction. Because you basically get to where you need to be the same way you get to where you shouldn't be. Now, the, the other thing is, is you may be living in the wrong direction and things are not going well. I mean, they were for a while. I mean, she's the greatest. He's the greatest. This is the dream job. And, oh, yeah, I know it's not quite ethical, but, hey, you know, we're going to navigate it. And, and everybody does it. I mean, it, you know, it's all going to work out. And you were just so happy. And you convinced your family and your parents and your friends and your, your roommate. And everybody kind of looked at you a little bit funny. But you got it all figured out because you're going to manage the consequences. And you're going to manage the outcomes. And things were great. And people were even kind of jealous. Oh, my God, did you see who she's dating? I mean, I mean it was all good. And now... It's starting to get a little wobbly. Now it's not quite so much fun. Now there seem to be problems. And you're thinking, boy, I need to get this fixed. I need to get this fixed. No. You're living in the wrong direction. And here's the good news. If you change direction, things will eventually change. Now, no surprise. You won't be shocked by this. This is, this is so amazing. Jesus actually talked about this. 2,000 years ago, Jesus actually talked about this. And for those of you who have access to a Bible, you should read your Bible, but those of you who have access to a Bible, and all of us do if you have access to an internet, you have access to a Bible, uh, the words of Jesus are so amazing, and this is why everybody should follow Jesus, even if you're not convinced Jesus is who he claimed to be, but the words of Jesus are so powerful, and he addresses this point, he addresses, uh, you know, what we've been talking about, this, this principle, but he does it in a little bit different way. He does it in a parable form. He preaches a sermon that we call, and in the Bible it's called, the Sermon on the Mount, and it's a sermon that I think 
Jesus, I think he, he repeated this dozens and dozens of times. Uh, again, I, I just, I think it was maybe even his go-to sermon. I think he would go to preach it and the disciples are like, oh yeah, we, we've heard this, you know. <laughs> yep, there he goes again. So, but, it, but, the, but there's so much content in the Sermon on the Mount, sort of the essence of why he came. He covered a lot of stuff. But at the end of this particular version of the Sermon on the Mount that's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. And I told you a couple of weeks ago, this was the, these are the two scriptures that God laid on Kathy and I's heart, our heart, when we launched Solid Rock all those years ago. So I want to talk about those, those two scriptures this morning. So, but the Sermon on the Mount that's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew is, and he's one of the apostles, and Matthew was either a scribe or, or, or because he was the tax corrector, you know, he had scribes, so they, so they got all this stuff written down. But in the Gospel of Matthew, we have the full account of the Sermon on the Mount. And at the very end, after Jesus has covered, I mean, uh, you know, just about everything you can imagine, he essentially tells this parable, and in this parable, he delivers to us sort of the essence of this principle. And he's going to play the movie, so to speak, for, for the group listening to him. So I'm just going to kind of read it to you line by line. And if you grew up in church, you, you know this already, so don't you know, go right to the end of it. And if you grew up in church like me, not only do you know it, but you can sing it. And so there's a song that's been written, so I'm going to do my best not to sing it as I go through this message. So good luck on that. Okay, here we go. Here's what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and actually does them. You know, you're not just listening to them. And you listen to what Jesus says and then go, oh yeah, hey, that's great. I, you know, you're right. I'm just not going to do it. I mean, I know what you're saying, but you know, I'm just not going to do it. And Jesus is like, look, I, I actually want you to do what I'm, what I'm saying what I'm asking you to do. He continues, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice will experience immediate relief, relationally, financially, along with all the other Ali's. Some of you are like, that's in the Bible. No, that's not what he said, is it? Come on, is that what he said? No, that's not what he said. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice will have discovered the fix for all their problems. Is that what he said? No. Jesus never promises to fix a problem. Because Jesus, this is why, because Jesus understood how the world works. And you understand how the world works. And anybody who stands up in a church, and you can see this on television a lot, but anybody who stands up in a church with a microphone like I have right now and says, hey, you know, if you'll just pray this special prayer, and if you'll just say these words, and if you'll just, you know, if you'll just do one, two, three, man, all your problems will be fixed, all your problems will go away, and if you'll just send me and blah, 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 you need to go to a different church. I mean, you're smart enough to know that's not how the world works. They just want something from you. Come on, Right? And Jesus, this, this is why you should follow Jesus. You should read the Bible. You should read the words of Jesus. Jesus never does that. He does not promise a fix. He does not promise a solution. He invites people to live in a different direction. He points the way forward. He points the way out. So here's what he actually said. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. Not necessarily a smart man, but he could be smart. Not necessarily a talented man, but he could be talented. 
you know, not necessarily, you know, a resource man, although he could be. A wise man. And what is a wise man? A wise man or a wise woman is someone who pauses and stops and plays the movie. A wise man or woman is someone who understands that life is connected. That the past is connected to the present. And what I'm doing now will have an impact on my future and will be connected to my future. And that I'm not a car that can be fixed and sent on my merry way. I'm not a computer that can be rebooted and, you know, sent on its merry way. That we're more complex than that. That our lives are like dots that connect. And all the dots connect. And everything from the past will impact what's happening right now, which will impact the future. And the wise person understands that the past is connected to the present. And the present is a predictor of the future. The wise person understands that you really can predict, to some extent, your own future. That direction, your current direction, is a great indicator of your ultimate destination. That's how wise people think. So Jesus said, so if anyone hears these words of mine and actually puts them into practice, it's like a wise man who built in other words, this is a process. I mean, have you ever built anything? For most of us, if it's going to take more than an hour to build, I'm looking for somebody else to build it. Right? But in this culture, there weren't any of those things. There, weren't no, there were no kits. There were no instructions. There wasn't glue. There wasn't any of that. A wise man who built. Built, that, that means process. That means time. This relates to habit and repetition, discipline, and something we don't really like, delayed gratification. If you're going to build a house, you have to wait until you finish the entire process. Jesus said, who built his house. And in the context of this parable that Jesus is telling, what he's referring to here, a house is like a life. It's relationships. It's your money. It's your pastime. It's your pleasure time. It's everything that has to do with anything that's important to you. That's a part of your life. And the wise man is like someone who listens to what Jesus said and actually puts it into practice. It's like somebody who's building his house. And then Jesus makes a statement that we really can't relate to in the 21st century culture. He says this. He says, who built his house on the rock. To which we think, well, I'm not really sure even what that means. Build my house on a rock because we don't really build houses and we don't build on a rock. But in the first century, this represented something very, very specific. And every single person in Jesus' audience would have immediately understood what Jesus was talking about. Jesus, as he said this, this represented the hard way. This represented the expensive way. This represented the time-consuming way. This represented the way where there would be no immediate return on your labor. This is the way that, you know, you go, by the, you go by the building construction site and day after day after day after day after day, it looks like nothing's going on when in fact a lot is going on. And then, and then Jesus tells us about a second character. You'll, you'll remember this if you grew up in church. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man 
Now, what's a foolish person? What's a foolish man? A foolish person is somebody who doesn't play the movie. A foolish person is somebody who lives as if life is disconnected. That now is now and later is later. That now is now and later is later. The way that a foolish person thinks is, I'm, I'm sort of like an electronic device. If something goes wrong, you know, just quit worrying. You know, nothing's going to wrong going to go wrong but if for some reason you know something does happen and I just wish you'd quit saying that to me because nothing's really going to happen I mean I got this under control I got this I can handle this I can manage this besides I'm like an electronic device if something happens to that relationship if something happens to that relationship with my daughter if something happens in my marriage if something happens financially if these things happen which you know you think are going to happen but they're really not you know going to happen I'm like an electronic device. All I have to do is unplug myself, count to about 10, and then just plug myself back in. And then I'll reboot. I'll start over. I'll be fixed. I'll be fine. To which we think, well, that's, that's not how life works. But that's how perhaps you're trying to live. You know what? Hey, you know what? If, if it doesn't work out, I'll just get remarried. If it, if it doesn't work out, you know what? I'll just, look, I'll just move out and find somebody else. I mean, you know, hey, you know, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, eventually I'm just going to declare bankruptcy. You know, I, hey, I, you know what? I'm just going to reboot. I'm just going to start over. I'm just going to start over. I'm going to get remarried. I'm going to do this. I'm going to move out. I'm going to change my name. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to bleach my hair. You know, whatever. You know, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to reboot. I'm going to start over. But isn't it funny? After you reboot and after you start over, isn't it funny how your new life didn't change all that much? You're still the same guy. You're still the same girl. You're still the same self, the same person. The fool thinks, the foolish person thinks, no, 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 I can just reboot. I'll be fine. And your heavenly father who created you says, no, 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 you don't understand. You're not a car. You're not an oven. You're not a toaster. You're not a, you know, a computer. You've been made in my image. You are complex and you're precious. There's no fix. There's no solution. But I am inviting you to change directions. So Jesus said, who built his house on sand, which again, you know, we read that and it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? See, this was the quick way. This was the easy way. And by the way, when Jesus said this, everybody in, in, in his audience listened to this, were like, oh, as he's telling the story, this is not going to go well. This is not going to end well. Everybody in Jesus' audience predicted this imaginary person's future. Because it always goes the same way. You think you're going to be different. We think we're going to be different, but it always goes the same way. And the imaginary person in the imaginary story that Jesus was telling to make an actual point, you know, this imaginary, they're, they're going to be shocked. Like, what? It didn't work out? And everybody in, in Jesus' audience is going, this never works out. Ever. It's the quick way, it's the easy way, it's the immediate way. And the assumption of the fool is this, that today's weather will be tomorrow's weather, and it rarely is, and it almost never is, and in this case, it wasn't. 
Because the rains came down and the floods came up. See? I told you I, I was going to do it. Sorry. The rains came down. So, so Jesus, Jesus says, the rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. The implication being, there's no fix. There's no fix. Hey, can you fix this? No, can't fix it. We just have to do what you should have done to begin with. We have to rebuild. And it's going to take time. No, 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 I don't want to take time. I just want you to fix it. No, can't do that. See, when, when the house falls down, you don't fix it. You rebuild. And it takes time. And if you would have taken the time up front to do what you should have done, we wouldn't be spending time now doing what we don't really, you know, wouldn't have to do. There's loss. Hey, you should have seen this coming. But when the rain came down and the stream rose and the wind blew and beat against that first house, the one built on the rock, Jesus said it did not fall because those folks are so lucky. <laughs> really? Is that what it says? You know what we think sometimes? We think, oh man, things just always work out for him. They always work out for her. Things, I mean, they're just so lucky. Things always work out for you. I don't understand it. I don't even think God loves me. I don't even think God knows I exist or even knows my name. Things just don't work out for me because I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God to fix it, and he didn't fix it. And I prayed and prayed and prayed, God, you got to change her, you got to change him. And he didn't change her, he didn't change him. And I prayed, you're just lucky. You're just blessed. I don't think God loves me. And Jesus says, come on, come on. You know how the world works. My father made it to work that way so that things could, there would be some predictability so that you would have a little bit of control so that you would know what to do. Jesus says it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And in the parable, the rock is doing what Jesus required and asked his followers to do. It's playing the movie. It's cause and effect. It's reaping and sowing. And then this last verse, and we'll, we'll wrap this up. Uh, you may not love this verse very much, but I love it, and I want to show it to you. This is so awesome. Jesus has preached this very long sermon, and they're out in the sun, probably, because it was hot. We don't know for sure. He finishes up this amazing parable, and they're like, oh, this is amazing. In the text, I love, I love how Matthew writes this. He says this, that when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because Jesus taught as one who had authority. And it's like, wow, finally, somebody makes sense. Finally, somebody's saying something that I can, I can hang on to. Finally, somebody is explaining how the world works and how God intersects and how God gets involved in our world. And, he, and Matthew writes, and not as the teachers of the law. And let me just say this really quick, and then, and then we'll be done. This is just me, okay? This is just me. Th this is what breaks my heart. This is what has driven me in ministry <clears throat> from the very beginning. What breaks my heart is, is people who are living in a direction that's not going to take them where they want to go. That breaks my heart. And you can see it happening, and we, you know, you've all seen it happening, you know, for other people. It's, it's happening right now for some of you. 
and the people that can see the direction that you're headed in, it's breaking their heart. And you just won't listen because you can't or you won't or you've decided not to look and see it. And the thing is, please listen, the thing is, it's not like driving, okay? I mean, when you're driving and you get lost, okay, you, you know, you get lost for a few minutes, got that, and it's like, hey, man, I'm so sorry I was, I was late, but, you know, I got lost, and you lose a few minutes, and you can fully recover. No harm done. But in life, in life, you can show up really late in life, and you can miss all your 20s, you can miss your 30s, you can miss your first marriage. You can miss your kids growing up. You can miss that opportunity to connect with your grandkids. You can miss what's most important. You can miss so much and miss it completely. And there's no way to regain it. So when I see, just like when you see, when you see someone who's living in a wrong direction and they're happy and they're smiling and they're convinced... But you know, it's just heartbreaking. And just so you know, it's heartbreaking to me, not because you are or are not a Christian. It's just heartbreaking to me because you're a human being who has one life to live. And here's what's so extraordinary. Your father in heaven, even if you don't recognize him as that, Here's what's so extraordinary. Your heavenly father cares so much about you that he sent his son into the world so that we can know what God is like. We, we talked about that, you know, a few weeks ago. And Jesus said, look, I'm, I'm gonna give it to you really slow, line by line. If you will just follow me, it's like building your house. It's like building your life on something that will last. Because the truth is, you know this, you already know this. We can't wish our way we can't talk our way, even though we try, and we cannot pray our way back in time to recapture the lost years and the lost seasons of our life. We cannot pray and talk our way back to that moment in time where we took that wrong turn and started living in the wrong direction. So let me just say this. The best way to predict your future is to pay attention to where you're headed the best way to predict your future, and you, you have the ability to predict your future to some extent, is by paying attention to where you're headed, where you're headed morally, where you're headed financially, where you're headed spiritually, where you're headed relationship, where you're headed with the important relationships in your life. You have the potential to predict your own future because of this principle that will apply itself to you whether you choose to leverage it and apply it are not. And that's why here at Solid Rock, you know, our invitation is the same invitation that Jesus extended in the first century. And it's a one word invitation. It's not change this. It's not stop. It's not fix it. It's not, you know, what's the solution? It's follow. Jesus said, look, I just want you to live the way I taught you to live. And if you do, you will build an enduring home. You will build an enduring life because following Jesus, eventually, not, not maybe immediately, not, maybe not initially, but Jesus, following Jesus will, will make your life better. It, it'll make you better at life. And Jesus offered a better life. He called it eternal life. And he called it eternal life because when you embrace Jesus as who Jesus claimed to be, in that moment when you do that, 
your life is placed within the context, not, not of birth and death, but in the context of eternity. Isn't that awesome? I mean, who would make... Yeah, isn't that awesome? Who, who would make such an offer? And then, and then he authenticated his offer by willingly you know, laying down his life and then taking it back up again. And see, here's what I know about you this morning. You are going to end up somewhere in life, right? You're going to end up somewhere in life. There's a destination somewhere, relationally, in your marriage, with your kids, financially, spiritually. I mean, there, there's a destination. Everybody ends up somewhere in life. I want you to end up somewhere in life on purpose. I want you to live in the right direction. And if you follow Jesus, if you follow Jesus, if you follow Jesus, not only will you end up somewhere on purpose, you'll end up somewhere with purpose. And when you end up somewhere with purpose, you will have a satisfying life. Play the movie. Direction determines destination. Would you stand together with me? I want to pray for us this morning. I want to, I want to pray uh, specifically this morning for those of you who are here in the Holy Spirit. It's just sort of, you, you felt that nudge of the Holy Spirit. I think, I think I'm living in the wrong direction. And I, 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 I want to change directions. So would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray with you. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that here we are in the 21st century and we have the words of one of your followers, Matthew. And it's recorded for us so we can learn from it. You played the movie for us. Hey, here's what's going to happen if you put into practice what I'm teaching. You're going to be like someone who built their house on the rock. And let me play the movie for you. Here's what's going to happen if you don't put these into practice. So, Father, I just want to pray this morning for those that are here and they just felt the nudge of your Holy Spirit that I need to change. And it's that, that's your Holy Spirit nudging their heart. Lord, I just pray that you would give them wisdom, give them insight, give them understanding, give them courage, Lord, to, uh, to navigate this in the way that you want them to. And, Lord, for all of us, I just pray that you would help all of us to just lean into you and live our lives in the right direction so that we might honor you with our lives. Father, thank you again for your word. May it lodge in our hearts. May it change us, help us to become more like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 